Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and from the Holy Spirit. Amen. Special welcome to those of you joining online. If you are joining online and just watching this sermon, not the whole service, you're going to want to read 1 Samuel chapter 3, the entire chapter, uh, because that's going to kind of be our reference text for today, and you're going to be slightly lost if you've not read it. Um, but before we get into that, I need to clear up one of the biggest controversies within the church. It's a big one, and it affects you daily. You don't even think about it. When do you pray before a meal? Like, do you pray, like, before the salad, appetizer? Uh, what about, like, fast food? I'm going to clear some of this up, okay? Because I know, I know that, like, people come to me and they're like, what about the Pelagian controversy? What about uh, the, the Great Tribulation? No, no, they don't ask that kind of stuff. They ask important stuff, like, what's the kind of prayer we should pray before a meal? Let me tell you, okay. So salads, you don't have to pray before a salad, okay? Unless... It's the main course. If it's your main course that you've just ordered a salad at dinner, you for sure need to pray and pray for repentance because of the guilt that you've given everybody else around the table, right? Because there's nothing worse than ordering a double cheeseburger and then the next person orders a salad and you're like, uh, waiter, can I change my order to something with less shame? Thank you. Um, so if you ordered a salad for dinner, repent on that regard. Uh, appetizers, I've got a little rhyme for you. If it's before the meal, it depends on zeal. If you're a very zealous and pious person, then yeah, you pray over your mozzarella sticks, right? You pray over your potato skins, whatever it is. Yeah, go ahead and pray then. It's fine if you wait till the main course though, right? Obviously, you want to pray for the main course. But one of the things people ask me all the time is, what about fast food? Like if I, I'm running late on something, I, I just got to get something and just choke it down. And I, I go through the drive-thru. Am I supposed to pray for that meal? Listen, if you've just ordered double Baconator with 46 ounces of Dr. Pepper, you should say a prayer. <laughs> it's a 99-cent heart attack right there. Say a prayer, um, or, God forbid, you find yourself a jack-in-the-box and you order a taco. Set aside some time for a prayer vigil is what you need for that one, right? Uh, but then the big one, and this is, this is the biggest controversy. Again, people will come and say, what's the order of creation? You know, what is the book of Revelation all about? No, no, the number one question people ask, am I supposed to pray for leftovers? I've got a rhyme for that one. Uh, if it's in the Tupperware, the blessing's already there, okay? It's already been prayed for, no need, you're all good for your leftover spaghetti and meatballs, okay? These are the important things. I know. And you've heard me talk before about in the common table prayer, uh, come Lord Jesus, be our guest, and let these? Thy? Who, who thinks these gifts? Nobody's a these? Okay, we got a couple of these. What about thy gifts? Let thy gifts. What have you, how many of you just don't even pray that prayer? How many of you are heathens and you've never prayed in your entire life? Keep your hand down. Keep your hand down. Thank you. Okay, so when it comes to those prayers, see, here's the issue. We often just rattle them off, right? Rattle off those prayers. Come, Lord Jesus, be our guest. Let's take up so much blessing. Amen. Now it's time to eat. Good, God, good food, good meat, good God, let's eat, right? Uh, Rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub. All these different prayers that you might say that just become rote. I've shared before, I had an elder in my previous church who said that he sat down one day after a long day. He sat down there, uh, Dad, you need to say the prayer. And so he, he goes right into, come, Lord Jesus, be our guest. Let, our, let thy gifts to us be blessed. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed. And they're like, whoa, we're doing that one too, okay. And I'm reminded of in Christmas, uh, the Christmas vacation where she says the Pledge of Allegiance, right? You just kind of, you go into these things without even thinking about it. And the series that we're in is called Dangerous Prayers. 
It's about taking your prayer life and going from just rote, yeah, I prayed that thing, I said the prayer before the meal, whatever, to actually praying what could be, from our perspective, some very dangerous prayers. And perhaps even hearing something back. But before we go into that, if you could join me, yes, in prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for this chance that you've given us to come together and worship, whether here in this room or online. What a blessing that we live in an age where people can join together across the entire globe. We thank you for that, Lord. Lord, I thank you for the chance to share your message, and I pray that it is your message. Lord, I pray that you would speak, for your servant is ready to hear. Lord, help us to submit ourselves to you so that we may be present in this moment. Open our, our hearts, our minds, open our ears to hear you. In your name we pray, amen. So the main text that we're gonna be looking at is that first Samuel chapter three. It's the entire chapter. It's the story of, of young Samuel. And I, I say young, he probably was around 10 or 11 years old. So like fifth grade, sixth grade in that range. Um, he was essentially an assistant uh, in the temple, uh, an apprentice in some ways, under Eli. Eli, it appears, was quite old, uh, and it says that his eyes were fading, uh, and so we imply that he's probably a little old, and that's kind of his mentor. It's like a, a master-apprentice type relationship, right? And so one night, Samuel goes to bed, and, and he hears a voice that says, Samuel, and he jumps up and runs in to see Eli, and he says, yeah, what do you want? And Eli's like, what, what? Didn't say anything. Oh, sorry. Goes back to bed. Again, he hears Samuel. He's like, nope, definitely heard it that time. So he pops up, goes running in. Eli says, no, dude, I did not say your name. Stop coming in here. I'm trying to sleep. And so he goes back to bed. Third time, he hears it. And he said, for sure, I heard my name. Definitely was Eli. Time to run in there. He runs in there. And finally, Eli, the priest in the temple, thinks maybe this is God. Like you should have thought of that earlier. But he says, I think God's trying to speak to you right now. So next time you hear your name, reply, speak, Lord, for your servant is ready to hear. Speak because I'm ready to listen, right? That's a dangerous prayer. To pray, God, speak, I'm ready to listen. Because here's the thing. When God speaks, we don't always like what he has to say. When God speaks, very rarely does he give somebody an easy task. In fact, I challenge you to think back through Scripture, all the times that God speaks to somebody and gives them something to do where it was something comfortable, something they were okay with, right? Uh, think of Abraham, the challenge to go and sacrifice his son. You think Noah, who's told like, hey, Noah, I need you to build an ark. And he's like, a what? An ark. It's a really big boat. It's like a football field and a half. You don't know what football is yet, but trust me, it's really big. And then I need you to get all the animals on the earth, and we're going to get them together. And, um, and then, then there's going to be a whole like flood thing, and then uh, you're going to basically be the one to repopulate the earth. And Noah's like, uh, can I not? Is that an option to say no, right? Then you have Mary who's told, hey, you're going to be an unwed virgin teenager and you're going to be pregnant and you're going to help to raise the very son of God. Then you see Jonah, 
who was challenged to go to Nineveh, to the, the biggest, baddest place, the scariest people, and to proclaim the gospel or proclaim the word of God, I guess you could say. And at and, and that time, the word of God was repent or turn or else you, this will be the end of you. That's kind of a scary thing to, to say to a bunch of intimidating people. And Jonah hears this. He is not comfortable with the whole idea. And what does he do? Runs completely the other way. See, sometimes when God speaks, what he says doesn't make us comfortable. Sometimes when God speaks to you, maybe he convicts you. He points out a sin that you have in your life and says, hey, you need to, you need to turn away from this. Because let's look at this idea of what happened to Samuel, right? Samuel hears the very voice of God. That's awesome, right? Only God doesn't tell him, hey, guess what, Samuel? You're going to be blessed, man. Everything's going to be so great in your life. The people are going to be prosperous. He doesn't tell him, hey, uh, Samuel, you know that cute girl you see in the temple? You guys are going to get married. You're going to have some kids, a couple dogs. It's going to be great. You're going to have six figures as a YouTube influencer. It's going to be a great life, Samuel. That's not what he hears. What Samuel hears is, hey, Samuel, 10-year-old, 11-year-old Samuel, you know that, that father figure in your life, that mentor, that one that you respect and you've learned pretty much everything from? I'm going to need you to go to him and tell him how sinful he and his family are. I'm going to need you to go to him and point out their shortcomings and then tell them that because of those shortcomings, they're going to have a rough go of it. And so what does Samuel do? Like, can you imagine the next morning? Because Eli knew about this whole God speaking thing. He's like, hey, so what's the deal? Was it God? And I can just imagine Samuel like, no, 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 just the wind or something. No, no, was it, was it God? Well, now that you mention it, yes. Yeah, God, God did say, talk to me. Well, what did he say? Well, I mean, like, he, he said a lot of things. There were, he, uh, I mean, he, he said my name, like, four times. So that was pretty cool. Um, also, he said that you're a sinner and your whole family's going to suffer. Anyway, see you later. Like, poor Samuel is given this challenge to speak something, to speak into the life of another person, something that's incredibly difficult. He's given a challenge that he's incredibly uncomfortable with. So that prayer, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. That's a dangerous prayer for us to pray because what happens when God responds and we're not super excited about what he says? Don't ask God to speak if you don't want to hear what he has to say. Because here's the thing. Prayer, we think of prayer, and you know we've got our little prayer thing out there with the requests that everybody writes down. Uh, in just a few moments, I'm going to read through a list of, of names that has whole stories behind each and every one of those names. And I'm, I'm going to rattle them off. I'm going to ask that God's present in their lives. I'm going to pray for some other things. But prayer isn't just a one-way conversation. It's not just us talking. It's, often it is. But God wants to speak back. God wants to talk to you. Are you ready to listen? Are you ready to hear what God has to say? Now, maybe it's not going to be like Samuel. Maybe you're not going to hear like clear as a bell, the voice of God. Maybe, but probably not. So how can you listen for the word of God? How can you listen for God's reply to you? Well, there are a couple ways. The first is, you've heard me preach on it before. It's pretty simple. Be still. Right, that's what our children's message was about today, that there are a lot of distractions in this world. There are a lot of things that can take our mind off of God that, that draw us away from him. Our, our way too busy schedules, the world telling us you have to achieve this by this age in order to be valuable. 
You have to look this way by a certain time. You have to uh, have this. You have to do that. If you don't talk this way, act this way, whatever, right? The, the things that we get so caught up in that just create chaos. I'm reminded of the story of Elijah as he's exposed to God, as he finally gets to see and hear from God, right? And it says that there was a great earthquake and there was a mighty wind and there was a fire and God wasn't in all of those things. God was in the still small whisper. So how many things in your life do you have that are creating chaos and it makes it harder to hear from God? The church I was at before this, it was a multi-site church. And, uh, and the multi-site campus, the band, they, they were great. They all loved each other. They loved to play music, uh, which meant that as soon as the service was over, they'd finish their last song. There'd be a little blessing. And then they go right into just jamming, right? Which is cool. They were really, really talented. The issue was that in that congregation, um, there were a number of people who were deaf. And we had a sign language interpreter and everything. Uh, but there was one guy who was really talkative. And he'd come up and talk to me. He was really good at reading lips, and he'd be talking. And, and because he's deaf, he, he's difficult to understand on a good day. And then I have the band playing, and then I also have ADD, and I am, like, trying everything I can to look at his lips to understand what he's saying. He has no clue that the band is playing loud because he's deaf, right? He doesn't know that I can't hear him, and I'm so distracted by everything around him that it just ate me up that I couldn't speak with him. Man, so often that's us and God, isn't it? We even want to hear from him, but there's just so much noise. See, the concept of the Sabbath day is taking time and rest. Now, sometimes that means recharging, right? Sometimes that means like self-care, like I, I, I'm just going to sit down and watch my favorite TV show for once. I'm not going to worry about the laundry. I'm not going to worry about the dishes. I'm just going to relax, right? Or I'm going to spend an hour reading. What would it look like if you spend an hour listening for God, maybe just sitting out on your back porch, not, not studying scripture, because that's good, but that's, you're, you're looking at scripture, you're not necessarily listening for anything, right? It, it's taking a moment and letting God speak. What would our lives look like? How would we hear God differently if we took that moment? See, in, in the Lutheran church, we don't talk about spirituality very often, but like I picture the Jedi in Star Wars. You know how they like will sit down and close their eyes and get in touch with the Force? Imagine if we did that with God. If we, we sat down and closed our eyes and just waited for God to say something, to speak to us, to, to put a thought into our head. So the first step is to be still. The second step is to be willing, to be willing to listen. Because again, there's this resistance, there's so much chaos, there's so many things, but then there's also a sense of, uh, well, God, I want you to speak to me, but I want you to speak to me to affirm this decision that I've made in my life. God, I think that I'm supposed to quit my job. I think that I'm supposed to start a relationship with this person. I think that I'm supposed to buy this boat. God, could you just send me a message that says, yes right? We have this idea, God, I'm looking for you to affirm what I've already decided. But if you're willing to listen to what God has to say, then that means you're willing to let go of your own perspective. You're willing to let go of your own bias, your own decisions at times. That can be difficult. That means leaving behind your comfort zone. It means going into a place where, where you feel a little tension, 
I went on a mission trip. I've talked about it before, Bluefield, West Virginia. It was on that trip that through a number of people, God spoke to me and told me I was going to become a pastor. And I'll tell you that story some other time, um, which I already have. But on that trip, uh, my role, I was, I was just a junior in high school. I was one of the people who helped out with their weekly VBS. It was with an organization called Group. And uh, we'd go and they'd, you know, all the kids from the area would come together. There was one little girl, her name was Amber. I'll never forget. Uh, she had like long hair that would probably take multiple hours to get a comb through. Uh, she was missing a couple teeth, um, was just always sticky, you know, like, like, I don't know why you're always sticky. Like, I don't, and, and she had the, the personality that went alongside of it where I kind of just figured she just rolled around in pixie sticks a lot of the time. Like she was just kind of always colorful and sticky. And, and her favorite game was horsey. She'd climb up on my back and ask for a piggyback ride, right? Only what made it horsey was that she had reins, which were my eyeballs. She would dig her fingers into my eye sockets and turn me this way. And I'm like, stop, stop. And, and it was hot and she was sticky. And then I was sweaty and then I was sticky. And I remember the second night laying in bed. And I say bed, it was like, it was a, it was a sleeping bag on the floor. Um, but laying there and <laughs> saying like, maybe I should go and like asked to be in a different area. Like, this is driving me crazy. My back hurts, my eyeballs hurt. Uh, this whole thing is just really uncomfortable for me. But for some reason, I felt like, no, I should stick with it. I don't know why, I didn't want to, but I did. And I remember on the last day that we were there after the 500th game of horsey, I, I put Amber down and she sat there, just the biggest grin on her face. And she looked at me and she said, you know, it's funny. Uh, most of you guys leave after like two days and won't play horsey with me anymore. I was like, I can't imagine why. But then I got to thinking that this girl, this was towards the end of the summer. And the organization group, they had a mission right there in town, and, and they were the ones putting on this VBS. And this girl was always the first one there and the last one to leave. And all summer long, they said, oh yeah, it's mostly the same kids. Only the mission teams cycled. So all summer long, she'd seen a revolving door of teenagers come in, get annoyed with her, and then leave. And she was impacted by the fact that I stayed the entire week. And maybe, just maybe, just that little bit showed her that somebody cares, that she wasn't an outcast, that she wasn't uh, too wrong to be loved. Are you willing to hear what God has to say? Are you willing to leave behind your comfort zone and say, yeah, uh, this is good for somebody else because God is working through me right now? So you're, be still and be willing and the last one is be ready. Be ready because as soon as you pray that prayer, as soon as you say, God, speak because your servant is listening, amazing things are going to happen. Incredible things will start to happen around you. You'll start to, to, to find yourself being more generous with people. You'll start to see more compassionate people. You'll start to see from their perspective and, and lose your own perspective, your own bias. And suddenly you recognize the compassion that Jesus had for the people of this earth as he walked around and loved the unlovable. Be ready for God to do incredible things in your life and through your life. See, God speaks to us in unique and powerful ways. God speaks to us in ways that make us uncomfortable. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6, Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take, and he will walk alongside you on that path. 
My friends, as we go through this week, I pray that we're willing, that we can say, God, speak. Speak to me and then let me speak to others. Speak through me. That we are ready as a church to do incredible things. This week we have VBS. There are going to be kids coming onto this campus who maybe loosely know the story of Jesus. And I promise you, they're going to experience the love of Christ. I promise you, they will experience love uh, that can only come from a Christian church where we are accepting and loving. And we better be because that's the mission of Christ. This week, as people come together, even if you're not involved in VBS, I would challenge you to pray for the leaders, pray for the volunteers, pray for those kids and their families. Incredible things can happen. Sometimes we just have to get out of the way. So I pray that God speaks to you and through you, that you're able to be still for even just a moment, that you're willing to hear his voice, and that you are ready to see unconditional, uncontrollable, unfathomable love of Christ. Amen.